everyone. This is David McBee with the Twin Lakes Sports Network, and welcome to this week's special episode of This is the XFL 2020. And this week, I am joined. He is back. The one and only Joey Shaw is back in the saddle, back live with us this week. Kaka for the love of football. Well, I'll tell you what, man, for the love of football, you got it right. Kaka, Kaka, all over the place. And we'll talk about it uh, later, especially uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks with an incredible week for them. But uh, it's it's exciting. We're week three, man, the season. We're already 30% of the way through the regular season. This season is flying. And uh, overall, things off to a pretty good start so far for the XFL. That's right. Uh, a great start. Um, great fans and uh, starting to see some great football. Well, definitely the football has definitely improved this last week. Uh, but just kind of going through some things real quick. want to share, uh, we ran a poll uh, recently on the Twin Lakes Sports Network Facebook page. Uh, those people tuning into the show, just go on Facebook to Twin Lakes Sports Network. Make sure you kind of like and follow us. We have an XFL polls on there every week. But last week we had a poll, thoughts on the XFL 2020 so far. This was just a one-day poll, but we said, you know, is was it better than expected or are they disappointed? And uh, we had a pretty good poll. 413 people voted, and 92% of them said better than expected so far. Only 8% was disappointed, Joey. Yeah, um, I wonder what that 8% was thinking, you know, Uh I've seen some some people were thinking had hesitation you could say about this new XFL thinking it was going to be uh, more like the old XFL but to a lot of fans surprise this isn't the old XFL as they uh, as they knew it uh, this is a uh, more about football uh, less gimmicks and uh, more action uh, on the field well and the XFL of course it's not like uh, the 2001 version uh, but there is some, you know, a lot of great news this week, but we're going to go ahead and kind of go in and start talking about some stuff. There was a little bit of negativity. Uh, the TV ratings did take another dip for the second week in a row. Uh, last week, ABC and ESPN averaged 1.7 million viewers. It was about half a million drop from week two. Uh, week one, of course, week one, you know, a lot of people are going to try it out for the first time. Uh, 2.9 million in week one. So it's down about... 1.2 million so far, but you know, the XFL's goal was to try to have 1.5 to 2 million viewers a week. And overall, despite the overall numbers dropping, uh, you know, the week uh, two, just to kind of compare some games in week two, the defenders versus guardians on ABC averaged 2.1 million viewers uh, on week three, Houston versus Tampa, which was a much better football game averaged 1.9 million viewers but actually had a peak of 2.5 million compared to week two, which had a peak of 2.3 million. So they really tuned in, uh, especially as the game got better. So I'd say the XFL is at least hitting their uh, predicted numbers or the numbers they wanted to hit. Uh, so that's got to be good news for them. Well, to kind of put it into comparison, because a lot of people was like, oh, 1.7 million. Well, the NFL's getting this, this, this. The XFL's not trying to compete with the NFL. But if you look at it, an average NBA game or an NCAA game that's going on, the ratings are actually better for the XFL. So I think overall, they have to be happy with their overall numbers. 
you know, I know they probably like to be a little bit higher, but it seems like it's starting to – I don't think you start panicking until you get down less to a million or less than a million. But, I mean, overall, I think they have to be happy. They're hitting their goal. And three weeks in, we had some pretty sloppy uh, football uh, that you could actually – I know we hear sirens going off in the background. Hopefully they're not coming for you, Joey. But uh, <laughs> you could say the alarms have not gone off with the XFL yet because they're right where they want to be. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to comparison with the NFL because they've got, they've got a long history. And, hey, this is it baby steps, you know. Uh, you, you, what do you say? It's not a, it's not a, it's a, it's a race. Uh, it's not it's a not race, a mar- it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, it's, it's not, a marathon. Right? That's right. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. That's right. That's what you're saying. So I think, uh, you know, time's going to tell. Let's give it some time. Well, and, and I want to go in a little more in depth, especially what you like to talk about about the actual broadcast. And uh, I have to say so far, I was a little critical in week one. I wasn't that crazy about the announcers, but I think the announcers have gotten comfortable. They understand the game a lot more. I think the game really has an NFL NCAA feel to it. I think the announcers that are doing the broadcast are doing really good. And I've, I've seen a big improvement, especially, and this is where you're an expert, Joey, the interviews that were really awkward in week one are starting to become much more fluid in week two and week three. Yeah, I'm sure it's getting uh, – everybody's getting in their groove. Uh, players, they, they've probably seen some of the interviews uh, from other teams being interviewed. So maybe, like say, and then the people doing the interviews, you got to get comfortable doing that. Uh, it, it's nerve-wracking down the field because you don't have very much time and, you, you know, you, you got to be quick. you got to be quick on your feet down there. So hats off to him. It's, it, we've seen some some pretty interesting interviews. Yeah, of course, week two. I know last week uh, on our solo episode, I think I nicknamed it the New York Crybaby with uh, Matt McGloin, the interview that he did in week two. Uh, but overall, I mean, I kind of like that craziness. I think having those interviews like that, that is controversial, it makes it fun. It gets you on the edge. And you're hearing a lot of what's really going on that we've never been able to see before. Uh, the only probably complaint I have so far is it seems like now they're going any every play where they're showing the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. They're calling their plays in. They're using so much jargon. I could do without them, you know, showing so much of them. I agree. And then speaking of the, you know, you, you said bring something to the uh, to the game with the interviews. Uh, what's cool is, I mean, it's live, it's raw, and you get the you get the emotion from the players, and we're getting to learn about some of these players uh, as people. You know, we're getting to see the the human side of them. So it adds uh, it, it adds to the uh, to the game. I think. I mean, I think I, I'm really enjoying the broadcast. I can tell you, uh, you know, my wife actually watched the St. Louis game with me, and she even said it was like that was so much different than the football that she's used to seeing. But she absolutely loved it. And I think the broadcasts are getting better. I think the NFL is probably going to pick up some things from their broadcast. Uh, I'd, I'd, ahead, I'd, say you're, I'd say you're right there. And uh, I'd have to say St. Uh, Louis absolutely deserved uh, the praise that they got from Kevin Gilbride. Of course, Matt McGloin, uh, he ended up suffering a rib injury. They had their center, got uh, kicked out of the game. He had uh, two personal foul penalties. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of a mess with the Guardians, and we'll go more into depth with that later. 
But I have to say, the interviews I, I'm really enjoying. They're getting better. Also, another thing that I'm really enjoying, Joey, is the booth reviews as they're showing how they're making decisions on plays. I love the transparency so we can hear them as they're making those decisions. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for me to understand. Yeah, and you don't have to question what they're seeing. Uh, they're breaking it down. You see what they're seeing. They're talking about it. So you're not only seeing, you're hearing why they're making the decision they're making. So I, I like it too. And, and hey, they're using Xbox remote. So I know uh, Xbox, Microsoft has got to love that. Well, overall, I think the, the ratings are still equal to NCAA co coverage. I think the games that we're going to talk about later, the offenses are getting better. The football is getting a lot more exciting. The ratings is is where they wanted to be on their goal if they can maintain that. That's what's going to be important. But overall, I mean, the TV, I think, has to be right on track. But something that's not on track, it has exceeded expectations. Attendance for the XFL. And, you know, we talked at the, you know, right before the season kicked off, we talked a lot about the AAF. The AAF, of course, came out of the gate strong. Uh, you know, they were averaging 19,000 in week one and week two. But week three and week four, they went in the toilet. That's when they started the collapse, which you can go back and listen to our uh, in our archives, the rise and the spectacular collapse of the AAF. They went from, just breaking down numbers with the AAF, 19,210 in week one, 19,624 in week two, 14,078 average attendance in week three. In week four, they went under 10,000 per game in attendance. So sharing those numbers, the XFL came out pretty solid. Week one, 69,818 fans in the four games. That's 17,454 per game. Week two actually went up 19,139. And week three, this last week, 20,488 average attendance. The attendance is, even though ratings are falling, attendance is increasing. This has got to be a big success for the XFL. I, I, I would say it is uh, because without the fans, and we said this uh, when, we, when we were in Memphis, uh, if the fans don't show up, there's not much hope for the league. And as, you're, as you just broke it down right there, the fans are showing up every week and it's increasing. So that's definitely good news for the XFL. I mean, all the uh... – all, you know, of course, it was really helped this week. They had two home games, Seattle and, of course, St. Louis. They were the ones that really pumped the numbers up. Of course, Seattle, they, they dropped about 9,000. They had about still about 20,000 fans. But in their two home games, they're averaging 25,600 fans. And congratulations. You said caca earlier, and this is why St. Louis, a record-breaking 29,554 fans, the, the fans of St. Louis have waited 1,521 days since they've hosted a game, and they came out strong to support the Battlehawks. That's right, and I'm hearing that the fans are saying, hey, open up the rest of that stadium. We could sell this stadium out. That's how confident these fans are uh, with their St. Louis Battlehawks. And it's being said that Houston is the most entertaining team to watch. And I'm going to have to say that St. Louis Battlehawk fans are the most engaged fans of the XFL. And I'm going to bet the St. Louis fans are going to have something to say about Houston being the most entertaining team. Uh, I bet you that's going to be opinion in their, uh, in their, in their minds or their views.
Well, of course, St. Louis, uh, it was just seconds after the national anthem concluded. And it was funny because the fans broke out in a Cronky Sucks chant. And, of course, that's directed towards uh, Rams owner Stan Cronky for moving, relocating the Rams out of St. Louis. They let him know what they thought about. And, I mean, visually, it looked great. It was absolutely packed. The energy, just watching the game, you could feel the energy. And I know tomorrow we're going to actually have a special little episode. We're going to interview a uh, Battlehawk super fan. Beck is going to be on uh, this show tomorrow, a special little edition. We're going to interview him. He was in the crowd. He's going to share about the Battlehawk fans. They were out making some noise. And the St. Louis fans came out in droves, and that's got to be a great sign for the XFL. Great sign for the XFL and, and great for the, for St. Louis and downtown. Um, and great for this Battlehawk team. Uh, we talked earlier in one of our early podcasts about how important it was going to be to going out doing the, some of the groundwork early on with doing events and getting people pumped and excited. And I was reading an article where uh, it was said that the Battlehawks have done over 250, I think, events uh, leading up to, uh, or so far, uh, this season. 250, that's quite a few events. So, hey, the, the St. Louis fans are coming out saying, hey, we're a football town, and they're, they're going to they're gonna stand. And we, we talked about this. We were hoping that they would come out. We thought they would. And, boy, have they proved us right in this uh, game opener for them uh, at the Dome. Uh 29,000, over 29,000 fans showing up. So St. Louis is, uh, again, they are, they have set the stage and set the bar for the rest of the teams uh, in the XFL for as far as fans uh, support and engaged engagement goes. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said they've been involved. They're do, you know, we, we covered, of course, like I know fans have heard us say, we covered the Memphis Express of the AAF. They was not involved in the community. They tried a couple things right at the very end, but they didn't have a social media presence. They wasn't involved with the community. The St. Louis Battlehawks, if you follow their Facebook page, they do all sorts of stuff all over it. Uh, they're always got something going on, a lot of action on their page, but also they're working all sorts of different community events, and that is why they're, they are such a good success. I think they're going to maintain these numbers throughout this year. And I think, you know, you mentioned Houston. You talked about Houston earlier. Houston's probably got the most exciting football team right now. It's between them and the Battlehawks for the top of the power rankings. But the best fans, bar none. I mean, you know, I thought it was Seattle the week before, but now that St. Louis has hosted a game, if St. Louis can maintain this, they are going to be tough to beat. Absolutely going to be tough to beat. And uh, Kaka, that's all that I got to say about that. Well, and, you know, great news with those teams, Seattle and St. Louis, uh, continue to show some great numbers. There is a few teams that we might need to be a little bit concerned about when it comes to attendance. Uh, the L.A. Wildcats, who pulled off our upset of the week, uh, their attendance actually dropped from 14,000 to 12,221. Right now, they are the lowest attendance uh, team in the XFL. Uh, also, might be a little concerned for the – uh, is, uh, for the Tampa Bay Vipers, who now they they pay, played a great game against the Roughnecks. However, uh, they dropped to zero and three, so that could be something that could really impact uh, impact the team. Uh, you know, also I think you know we, there there's three teams that really concern me: L.A. the Vipers, 
and probably the New York Guardians. And, you know, you talked earlier about Matt McGloin and uh, Kevin Gilbride. He was talking about that. The, the Guardians just aren't losing. They are playing the worst football in the league. And I, I think the Guardians, uh, you know, if they keep losing and keep playing as sloppy as they're playing, that is going to be very tough for them. Yeah, and that's where you're gonna have you're gonna find out who the real fans are, because uh, th- they're gonna get tired uh, seeing them lose and playing sloppy football. So they're gonna have to do something, as you got to keep those fans engaged and keep them uh, keep them supporting you and keep them with you. And then you said it with Tampa Bay. Uh, hey, one of the nicest, uh, coolest uh, uniforms in the league, but uh, not playing real good football. And I was looking earlier in the week they. I guess they, you could say that uh, they surprised me because earlier in the week, Tampa was uh, not predicted to do very well against Houston. So for them to put up 27 points was uh, pretty darn good. It was a, it was a surprise, but Tampa has something to prove. Yeah, I mean Tampa did play better in the game, but unfortunately, it, they're 0 and 3 in the season. They're running out of time quick, so. That's a great transition. Let's go ahead and break in our games. Let's go in our game-by-game review. Houston at Tampa Bay. Of course, the Roughnecks improved to 3-0, the only undefeated team in the XFL with a 34-27 victory over the Tampa Bay Vipers. Uh, The Vipers put forth their best offensive performance of the season. Of course, that's not saying a whole lot because they hadn't scored a touchdown in their first two games. But they were stopped on a fourth and goal late in the fourth quarter, which ended up they ended up uh, losing the game. They now fall to zero and three. But the story of the game to me is P.J. Walker. He had three hundred and six yards passing. Uh, you know, Phillips eight receptions for a hundred and nine four uh, ninety four yards. Cam Phillips is just tearing it up. Uh, P.J. Walker to me, he's got to be the. Uh, leading the MVP race. I mean, another huge game for Walker. That's right. Like you say, we're, we're starting to see uh, some more exciting uh, offense uh, now that we're in week three. So we're, I look forward to week four to see an even better offense. But uh, defense is always ahead of offense. So uh, we'll see how that defense uh, looks come week four against the offense. Well, uh, P.J. Walker, of course, he also rushed for 34 yards, a touchdown. 306 yards passing right now on this season, 11 touchdowns, one interception. He is the highlight reel of the XFL right now. And a really impressive number when he threw for, uh, accounted for two touchdowns in the first half. He by himself has scored more touchdowns than every other XFL franchise at halftime. He was at nine. The defenders was the only team that's closest to him with seven Absolutely. I mean, P.J. Walker is just definitely the best. Hey, you got to give credit, though. Tampa Bay, Mark Tressman had this team ready to work. Of course, they're playing without Aaron Murray. Uh, He was doing a rotation with Taylor Cornelius and Quentin Flowers. But the combination, Walker to Phillips, they're a uh, tough team to beat. But Tampa Bay did play a lot better. Just uh, Cornelius had 193 passing yards, one touchdown, also had a rushing touchdown. Uh, it looks like Murray is scheduled to return next week. So maybe them having that more established player under center is going to help them. But again, another tough loss for the Tampa Bay Vipers. 
deep in their own territory. Here's Walker, steps up and throws, ball was tipped, and it's caught. Racing down the sideline is who else but Cam Phillips for the touchdown. How about 84 yards to the house? And uh, Cam has uh, really, really impressed me uh, ever since he got here. He's bought into what we're doing, what we're trying to teach him. He's gotten better since he got here. And P.J. Uh, knows that if he gets the ball around him, he's going to make some catches. So we'll go to our next game. Uh, so, of course, uh, Houston now goes to 3-0. and Tampa falls to 0-3. Then we had the Dallas Renegades going up to see the big crowd up in Seattle with the Seattle Dragons. Uh, kind of a uh, sloppy game from uh, former University of Oklahoma and Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback Landry Jones. Kind of struggled again, very similar to the week before. Struggled in the first half. However, second half, he came back strong. He had 274 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, including five receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns to six foot eight tight end Donald Parham. I think that is the name that you need to watch for. Donald Parham, I think there's going to be NFL teams that are going to be checking him out. He's going to be a tough one uh, to stop in the secondary, six foot eight. And of course, you know, ended up finding the end zone for the second straight week. Uh, big victory, though, for Dallas. In the back end hole. You're going to get something off of this edge. They got it off in time. Jones. Caught Parham. The big tight end rumbles down the sideline. Six foot eight and speed. His second touchdown of the half. Start a little bit slow, but man, you got it going once again. How? I, well, I don't know. Maybe we should just play the second half and just throw as many picks as I can in the first half and then come out there. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. We got, we won, so that's all that matters. Well, it sure looks like you're having a blast, though, just managing the game. As much communication as you get to have with all these mics and everything else, how much fun just running the show? It's great. Hal has been awesome. Let me do, kind of give me the freedom to do a lot of different stuff up there. And so that's, I think that really helps us out, especially at the line of scrimmage. Um, the offensive line did great. I kind of jacked with a little bit on the snap count some of those times, but we, I mean, we won. So that's all that matters. You know, you said to us yesterday, Dallas is now home, right? Your wife's probably watching, your three kids. Yep. Life's a little different now with everybody at home and your kids watching. Anything you'd like to say to the kiddos back home? Hey, guys. Love you guys. Miss y'all. Went. You're holding it down. I'm so proud of you. Couldn't have a better wife. Love you. Right on. Thanks, Landry. Yeah, thank you. So Dallas moves to 2-1 and one with the win. Seattle will fall to 1-2. and two. Of course, uh, Seattle, they squandered a six-point lead in that game. Uh you know, kind of, kind of still struggling on offense. Of course, they're led by former uh, Memphis Express quarterback uh, Brandon Silver. Still kind of struggling offensively in the second half. I think the Dragons are kind of struggling on offense. Of course, their offensive coordinator, Mike Riley, who was uh, head coach last year for the San Antonio team in the AAF, is out due to personal reasons. I think not having him has uh, really impacted the team. So now... Uh, Dallas, though, picks up the, the tough victory. If Landry Jones continues to improve, I think Dallas are gonna, is going to be a real tough team to beat. All right, so our third game of the week was, and this was one everyone was watching, uh, the New York Guardians went to St. Louis to take on the Battlehawks. The Battlehawks end up winning 29-9, to including... 
a huge play with the first touchdown, the first return touchdown in XFL history uh, with the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks running it back. And and to me, the Battlehawks, they're going to be a tough team to beat, of course. They're throwing Samoan, uh, Jordan Tamau, didn't have the uh, the huge game that he had the week before, but he managed to do just enough. But the fans, like you talked about earlier, Joey, the fans with St. Louis, they were making some noise, and they had that team pumped up. Yeah, they were loud. And I'm wondering, even with the headsets uh, and the everybody being mic'd up, if the if the uh, New York Guardians could even hear a word uh, with the fans being so loud in that stadium. Well, you know, the first half, you could say, it started off uh, pretty close. Uh, you know, both teams trading field goals. But then it just busted loose when the Battlehawks got the first kickoff return touchdown in XFL history. It was a beautiful reverse. Keith Mumphrey laddles it to Joe Powell. He just barely made it across the goal line, but he managed to get it across for the history-making score. He went 84 yards, and that led to them taking the lead 12-3. to But if you're not familiar with kickoffs, they look different. Kicker from the 30. The turn team lined up at the opposite 30. Can't move to the ball. is fielded. And here goes Keith Mumphrey. And they're going to turn it around. The room on the near side. And for the first time, they get creative. And the Battlehawks have the sideline. And a kickoff return from Joe Powell to the end zone. And now they said he stepped out. No, touchdown, St. Louis. Then the Battlehawks just, just basically took over. I mean, making great special teams plays. The run game was is looking good. And... Later in the game, a beautiful nifty double pass. They did a forward lateral from tomorrow to DeMornay De Pearsonell, who faked the sweep and pulls up for a connection with Alonzo Russell for uh, the Battlehawks just really starting to get their groove. And not only by not only did they play well off- offensively, but defensively, they were just shutting them down. The Guardians could do absolutely nothing on offense. That's right. And again, uh, I think a big – don't want to take it away from the coaching, but the fans, uh, it's going to be hard to beat St. Louis at their home turf there at the Dome. And I, I'm going to contribute a lot of it to the fans. Well, Matt McGloin, of course, the quarterback for the Guardians, he ended up uh, – getting knocked out with a uh, with an injury. Uh, and, and right now the Battlehawks, you know, we talked a little bit about them earlier. They are just a team that is sloppy. They're playing undisciplined. Uh, their center, Ian Silberman, he had two personal fouls. One was an unsportsmanlike conduct. He looked like he was about to lose his mind. Uh, and it was really cool hearing the audio, the ESPN broadcast. The referees were discussing – uh, ejecting Silverman earlier the game because of some of his, his post-play antics. New York committed nine penalties for 86 yards compared to the uh, very disciplined performance. Jonathan Hayes had to be happy with his team. Only two penalties for 20 yards. The Guardians have just absolutely imploded in uh, consecutive weeks. And, you know, when they did get in the red zone, they were just one of three. The Guardians are in trouble, but the Battle Hawks especially with that home crowd, they're going to be a team that's going to be tough to beat. City of St. Louis, what does it mean to be a part of this revival? 
Um, it feels good, honestly, just uh, being able to be being at the home, home crowd. Uh, the fans showed up, and it showed. And, uh, you know, if they show up, we're going to show up for them. And did a good job running the ball. Uh, coach calling the plays, the whole line defense, everybody stood up, even special teams. So, um, happy for the win. What kind of statement did you guys make about St. Louis Battlehawks football? St. Louis, you know, we're here to play, and we're not going nowhere. So, uh, uh, we're, we're just taking it week by week and uh, get a win underneath our belt. That's, that's a good feeling again. So, uh, got to keep grinding and keep playing. So, now our final game of the week the DC team uh, traveled to the Wildcats, and this was our upset of the week. Uh, head coach Winston Moss had to be happy. Uh, quarterback Josh Johnson played a clean game at 278 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, running back Marquez Carter, three touchdowns. Trey McBride, who the defenders traded to the Wildcats during training camp, had five passes, 109 yards, two touchdowns. But more, most impressive, the defense, which is the strength of Winston Moss, it changed the game. They they had five turnovers. They they completely shut down the uh, quarterbacks for the D.C. defenders. Of course, Cardell Jones was a talk of the XFL in week one and week two. He held the most productive passing offense to only 90 yards passing. I think right now people are looking at Winston Moss as a genius after week one because he fired former defensive coordinator Pepper Johnson and now they're saying, hey, he made the right move, but a huge upset victory as the Wildcats get their first week, uh, win of the season and showing some life out in L.A. Johnson again. that Norm Chow and Winston Moss and this whole LA organization envisioned when they made him their first selection to be their quarterback and lead this team. They're utilizing his athleticism, using that run game, play action. He pulled up and a great route by McBride. Kind of ran a double move. Great opening job drive. We talked at the opening of the show, Kurt, about trying to establish themselves and find their rhythm here and bounce back in week three. And they couldn't have asked for a better opening to this game. Now let's uh, break down our good, better, and best of the week. And uh, I'm going to go ahead, Joey. I'll start off with my good of the week. Attendance in week three. Attendance is up. Rating's still in a good place. That has to be my good of the week. What's yours, Joey? Mine's going to be the uh, respect and praise uh, that these coaches uh, are having for, you know, within the league. just seems uh, they're not going at each other. just a lot of, to me, the, the respect and praise, that, that's good to see uh, in this league. So I'm going to go with that. All right, my better has to be P.J. Walker. Right now he's leading the MVP race, in my opinion. He was 24-35, 306 yards, three touchdown passes, one touchdown run uh, on the season, 11 touchdowns, one interception. He is a highlight reel, and he's my better of the week. My better is going to be the offense. Uh, offenses, uh, they're starting to get a little bit better. Uh, maybe not for all the teams, but overall, uh, it's getting better. So as it progresses, we're gonna it, it adds for more exciting football. So offense is my better for the week. All right, my best of the week. I'm gonna go with St. Louis sticking it 
to Stan Kroenke. New attendance record for the XFL, the passionate fans, definitely the best thing that was going this week. I guess you and I are going to agree on the best because that's exactly what I wrote was the St. Louis fans, the Battlehawk fans. Caca, caca. Well, and of course, uh, tomorrow we can't wait to, uh, we'll be interviewing, of course, our good friend, Battlehawk superfan uh, Beck. We'll be kind of talking to him. But let's preview, and Joey, we'll go ahead and do our pick'ems for next week. Uh, first game of the week, we got the Wildcats going to New York to take on the Guardians. Um, to me, the Guardians are out of control right now. I'm picking the Wildcats. Who you got, Joey? Wildcats. All right, second game of the week, the Seattle Dragons. These are the two teams with the best fan bases. The Seattle Dragons are traveling to St. Louis to take on the Battle Hawks. Uh, I'm going to say caca, caca, the Battle Hawks are going to pull this one out over the Dragons. Absolutely. St. Louis all the way. I think Seattle's still struggling on offense. Uh, I think not having their offensive coordinator, hopefully they can get Mike Riley back, is hurting them. I think the Battle Hawk run game, Jonathan Hayes has that defense keyed in. They're going to be a tough one to beat. Then on Sunday, this should be the shootout of the week, in my opinion. You got the Houston Roughnecks traveling to Dallas to take on Landry Jones and the Dallas Renegades. I'm actually, I'm going to go with the Houston Roughnecks right now because I think P.J. Walker, he is just, he is the Tommy Maddox. What Tommy Maddox was to the XFL in 2001, that's what P.J. Walker is right now. I think the Roughnecks, it's going to be a close one, but I think they're going to pull it out over the Renegades. I agree. Houston is said to be the uh, most entertaining team. And uh, they're being called that for a reason. So, Houston over Dallas. I do look for Landry Jones of the Renegades to have a much better game this week. I think now this is his third game. He's starting to get his groove. Uh, but it's gonna that's going to be a team later in the year to keep your eye on. Because if they get rolling on offense, they're going to be a tough one to beat. And then the main event, the final game of the week. Actually, it's probably not the main event. But the D.C. Defenders, they're going to be taking on the Tampa Bay Vipers at Tampa Bay. The defenders coming in at two and one, taking on the Vipers at zero and three. I think the defenders got absolutely blown out against the Wildcats. This is going to be my upset of the week. I'm actually going with the zero and three Vipers to get their uh, first victory of the year over the defenders. Uh, people are going to think that you and I uh, talked about this prior, but <laughs> I was going to say Tampa as well because they have something to prove and. I think they could come out and beat DC. I think uh, I think the Wildcats expose some issues with the defenders. The Vipers, I think, have a great defense. I absolutely love uh, Jerry Glanville and his defense. It's just been rough as they've had no offense. So Aaron Murray getting back. I think there's some weapons. I think that's going to be the uh, surprise of the week. That that's probably the one I might put a little money on this week. We'll have to see what happens. So overall, though, I think this week, too, I think attendance, kind of looking at them, they're going to be in St. Louis, uh, Dallas, Vipers, and Guardians. Attendance will probably dip a little this week if I was to anticipate. I think the Guardians and the Vipers, uh, Guardians really struggling. So I think the numbers are going to go down in New York. I think the Viper fans, uh, I think that one might go down. Attendance might dip a little bit. But I'm thinking, it, I'm thinking ratings are going to stay 
pretty consistent. I think they'll average about 1.5 to 1.6 million. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Hopefully you're right. So, of course, be sure to check out our page, uh, the Twin Lakes Sports Network. We're going to have another XFL poll out there this week. Also, if you haven't done it yet, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And uh, Joy the Dragon, hey, what what do you got this week uh, as we finish out? Anything you want to say before we head out? Uh, hey, fans, thank you for tuning in. And remember, no matter what team you're with, whether they're winning or losing, be the best fan out there. Support the XFL because without us, and like we tell our fans uh, at the Twin Lakes Sports Network, without you guys, the fans at home, we don't exist, and neither will the XFL. Well, and we're glad to see the XFL uh, doing much better than people anticipated. Uh, We hope it continues. And again, uh, congratulations to the fans, the St. Louis Battlehawks, uh, 29,554 attendance, great turnout. And for David McBee, Shaw, be sure to check us out on Facebook at the Twin Lakes Sports Network. Be sure to tune in this week and watch the XFL. And this is for both of us. Have a great week and go out and do something nice with someone. And remember, your tomorrows are never guaranteed. Have a great week. Caca, caca, St. Louis. Caca, caca.